If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 231. This is our 2022 Alfred Dunhill Links and Sanderson Farms Championships Tips Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selections for this week's DP World and PGA Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit be at gambleaware.org for more information and of course please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews. We had previews for both events this week. Sanderson Farms Strokes Gained Analysis. Tournament form statistics. We've got form charts including combined course with current form. And our PGA Tour and DP World Tour Predictive Optimizers. All of these features like this podcast, are completely free of charge with no paywall. Paul is at Golf Betting. Steve is at, that's me, I'm at Bamford Golf, and Barry is at Good Talk Golf. That's on Twitter. And subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel, where this podcast is available, along with my weekly golf betting show. I've done a golf betting show for the Sanderson Farms this week. Now, you guys, as listeners, power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Now, as I've been saying the last few weeks, we are short in the reservoir for reviews, so any five-star reviews, you can spend the time, 30 seconds, to write for us. You're probably going to be read out on next week's show, so keep them coming for me. Right, five stars uh, is the title of this review. It's from Memphis. Graham. I take it he's in Tennessee, in the United States of America. Thank you, gentlemen, for the insight and the humour. I particularly enjoy the post-it note of shame. May we have an updated list for Steve's post-it note? Question mark. He also says, and this isn't uh, the view of the podcast, this podcast is much better than Mayo and Feinberg. <laughs> people read people write it I read it that's all I can do controversial controversial right my post-it note of shame in fact most of them are playing this week at Sanderson Farms I've omitted Cameron Tringali because um, he's disappeared to live golf um, but just having Cameron Tringali on the post-it note shows you that that's a guy that's never won a PGA Tour event Those are the kind of players, you know, players that are in contention and are like, uh, you know, they're not very good at converting and the kind of players that go on the post-it note are shame. Right, the current post-it note contains, oh, I've also taken Paul Casey off because he went to live as well. Austin Cook, Emiliano Grillo, Russell Henley, Luke List, Denny McCarthy, Patrick Rogers, you ha- you have noted that all six of those are playing in the Sanderson Farms this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adam Scott, 
Although I did tap, tip up Adam Scott a few weeks ago, but I did say at the time it was purely for his each way return, and it came in. And Brendan Todd. Those are my players on the PGA Tour post-it note of shame. Mm. What's Brendan Todd ever done for you, Steve? What done to you? He had that explosion, didn't he, two years ago when he won back-to-back. Mm. That, that just annoy right. you that he won those two events. He went back-to-back. I then tipped him up to go back-to-back-to-back, <laughs> to back to back, which, looking back, was probably a step too far, and he clearly missed the cut or something like that. Whenever I tip up Brendan Todd... He tends to be the sort that gets in contention and then in round four disappears. Mm. Or, like he did the other week in California, shoots a low round over the a low round on Sunday or a couple of low rounds from the cut line and grabs a T9. Yeah. He's very good at that as well, Brendan Todd. Yeah, I did notice he popped up a little bit recently, so... It's one of those you can kind of try and pigeonhole to a certain degree, a certain style of course. But, um, mm. It certainly hasn't hit those heights as you described when he hit one of those, one of those two back-to-back events. What's that, two or three years ago now, isn't it? Time flies I get by. confused with COVID, but yeah, I think, was it was it 19? Did, didn't, mm. didn't he go close to the third one, though? I think I tipped him up at the RSM and he was he was right in the mix on the coming into Sunday yeah. and he went backwards. Mm. Don't forget as well, there was that there was that tournament, that WGC at St. Jude, because he loves St. Jude, doesn't he, Brendan Todd, as does Ches Reeve, two short hitters. Yeah. And um, I think he was he was leading after 36. He was in the final group on Sunday and then shot like nine over when he realised he was um, almost got a chance of winning a WGC. Mm. I think that's kind of Brendan Todd. Uh, Graham in Memphis thank you for your five star review as I said any five star reviews this week would be much appreciated be that in America the UK Ireland or Australia we're not fussy we have lots of people that listen in those various countries Um, let's talk quickly about last week clearly um, the United States won the President's Cup Um, it was probably closer than people anticipated Yeah. yeah a little bit of excitement Although they they were winning, was it eight two after the first two days? Mm. Yeah, trading at one point oh one at the time, so it looked like it was. Uh, a it was almost if someone. Point. It's almost as if someone at the PGA of America went into the team room and said, "Can you make it a bit tougher, boys? Come <laughs> on, have, have the Saturday off." Because yeah. otherwise, this everyone's going to turn it off on by the end of mm. Saturday. There was a brief flickering moment where it looked like the internationals might just. Uh, get back into it but um just didn't quite happen in the end but yeah it was, it was tighter than tighter than many anticipated um even though it was still what five five point difference in the end i think it so. it ended up being a very entertaining few days of golf in mm. match play format which is just what we want as fans it's um it's a pity the internationals just didn't get out of the blocks so early because once they got past those first ten matches, they were um, extremely competitive. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. So, what did you think to Greg Norman wishing the international team the very best of luck, Barry, <laughs> on Twitter? What do you think to that? I mean, Twitter is a space for people to say what they want unless they get shut off. So, yeah, I mean, if he wants to say it, so what? So, um, do you think it was a little bit tongue in cheek? <laughs> A I'm sure bit. it was like I mean it's just at this stage it's just hilarious because the mm. 
Norman as like the pinnacle of live will just use any opportunity opportunity to insert themselves into the conversation about any subject so it's um the kind of the words come off like meaningless these days <laughs> from a lot of their their players and and him just disingenuous and yeah I thought these numbers were quite interesting and I, I often think that players that have done well at a President's Cup or done well at a Ryder Cup can take that momentum and potentially win a stroke play event before the end of the year. So Team USA, Jordan Spieth, five points from five matches. Max Homer, four from four. JT was four from five. We then had Cantley, three from four. Finau, three from four. Xander, three from four. Colin Morikawa was two points from three matches. So they were the top-scoring Americans. Uh, conversely, on the international team, Siwoo had a fantastic uh, mm. President's Cup. Three points from four matches. Uh, he won his singles. Sungjae Im won his singles. He was two and a half from five. As was Sebastian Munoz, two and a half from three matches played. Cam Davis, Tom Kim. I actually got it right there because I'm reading it off the screen rather than Bob Kim. Cam Davis, Tom Kim, KH Lee and Adam Scott were all, uh, all won two points for their team. So I expect one of those or maybe a couple of those names to pop up somewhere and get a victory. What yeah. tends to happen. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised, would you? You know, the Tom Kim, I know two points, um, probably doesn't fully show the quality of his play, and he certainly got the uh, got the team going, didn't he? I think he was one of the, one of the key components of that international team to get him really upbeat and uh, moving forward. Proper talent, that lad. Look forward to watching him more and more next season. Did we mention Rasmus Hogard on the last podcast for? Um... For your event, Paul. For France, no. No, we didn't. He, he was well fancied the week before, and as was Guido, who eventually won. I mean, Rasmus, what was he? Five, six clear at one point. He was odds on at one point quite early on in the tournament last week. Um, given that it was his first view of Le Golf National, that was a, a particularly strong performance. Then it all started to unravel, didn't it? Yet that snowman on the second hole on uh, on what, Saturday. And uh, brought everyone else back into it, but it still took that incredible finish from Guido. He birded nine of his last thirteen holes on a tough track like the Golf National to win that golf tournament. That was mightily, mightily impressive. So yeah, well done, Guido backers. There wasn't a great deal to go on. I mean, as I say, he was very well backed the previous week in Italy. So um, there'll be, mm -hmm. a, be a lot of. But yeah, you were on him, Barry, <laughs> weren't you? I remember. Um, yeah, it didn't show. It didn't show enough there to to warrant staying on the uh, on the bet slip. Mm. So, um, but I mean, I when th things like that happen, I take it as a positive sign that maybe my um, brain might be functioning in a way that could get me towards a good pick. You know, yeah. at least I was close. So I'll take I'll take a uh, a little encouragement from that. I mean, that final round, I watched the highlights of it last night. My God, did he hit the ball well. Yeah. That approach to 18 was absurd. Oh, absolutely. In in incredible shot under the uh, 
you know, in the position he was in, and uh, you know, mm. he probably felt that he needed to make birdie there, and you know, took that hole, and that's a, a tough, tough hole. There's a lot of players who make bogey or worse on that hole, and uh, he took it on, pulled the shot off, made the putt, and yeah, won the tournament. Very, very impressive. And going into the final round, Tom Lewis, who I had back to eighties, was in a very similar position to Guido, and he shot seven <laughs> over. <laughs> he shot seven. He shot seven over, <laughs> and while Guido yeah, was, was birdie and everything for fun, it's just... oh, oh my god! He, where did... <laughs> Sixteen shots differential. Where did, where did Tom finish up? Like tied oh, for sixty-seventh, hundred and fourteenth, or something. <laughs> <laughs> I might have mentioned last week. I, t- I often forget what I talk about on this podcast, to be honest, and I think most people do. But um, I did notice because I, 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 I tend to monitor this top 60 on the race to the buy at this time of year mm. and just for note Rasmus Hoygaard he was outside the top 60 as of last week as was Guido Migliozzi so Migliozzi has jumped 79 spots to 21st so he's now booked his spot at the DP World Tour Championship yep as has Rasmus so you've got two quality... Also, I saw on Twitter, and when you do go through Graham McDowell's record at Open de France, and you, you can run through it, they're definitely... And Tommy Fleetwood. There definitely does seem a lot of US Open carryover. Yeah. Guido, of course. Top five? Torrey Pines, was it? He's, um, he's popped up a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. The majors, US yeah. Open's tough. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But yeah Potentially one, uh... one for the notebooks. Yeah, there's a few people who will be vying for that. I, I think it's top fifty, and then maybe some odd, um, some odd invites or spurious reasons why people get into the field this this year. But yes, I expect as you described, it probably spills over to around about fifty fifth, sixty, or something like that, with players who can't or don't attend for the. Uh, DP World Tour Championship in uh, in Dubai. So, um, yeah, now, these bigger events. I mean, particularly this week again. Um, there's a, there's a decent prize fund, so players yeah, will be be five trying million to, dollars. Yeah, you know, in, in DP World Tour parlance, that's quite a quite a strong prize fund. So, I'll just put this be, out there. I'm looking at the race to Dubai standings right now. Eddie Pepperell's on sixty. I'm just naming players that to me you'd think ordinarily would qualify. Pepperell's at 60, Alex Noren at 62, George Coetzee at 64, you've got Nikolai, Nikolai Hoygaard at 66, good player, Marcus Armitage, 69, Matthew Jordan at 70, you've got you know, there's some decent players down here that look out of position. Mm. Um, yeah, Soren Kielschen. So Minwoo Lee's another one, eighty-six. Meaning, so yeah, Matt Wallace at ninety. Yep. So it's yep. it's coming up to that point, as you always say to me, Paul. It's now or never kind of territory for these guys. Yeah, and they they can you know, given the points on offer, they can make a massive jump this week if they if they can have a decent uh, decent mm. event. And um, after that, it starts to thin out a little bit in terms of prize funds. So. Um, you know, the relative positions they need to finish on leaderboards to really leap up that race to Dubai ranking needs to uh, needs to be higher in the leaderboard. So, so yeah, it's um, it starts to focus minds a little bit, particularly with the um, with the Ryder Cup qualifying happening as well. Um, you know, it started well well into its uh, well into its process now. So, um, 
players with any aspiration of making that team will also start to buckle up a little bit and uh, focus their minds. Makes it an interesting I've, period. I've actually got Noz Ferratu's projection here for the Ryder Cup. I, 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 I'm a, I, I make no apologies. I know, ooh, why are you talking about this already? Well, we love the Ryder Cup on this podcast, so it, it's just nice to see how these things shape out. At the moment, USA, six qualifiers, Scheffler, Zalatoris, JT, Cam Young, Colin Morikawa, Kevin Kisner. I've no idea how Kevin Kisner squeaks into that. But he squeaks into it because DJ um, is fifth in the rankings, clearly won't play. European point, Shane Lowry, Rory McIlroy, Guido. They've only just started in Europe. I I believe the Americans are already halfway through their qualifying process. Mm. World points, McIntyre, Danny Willett, John Rahm. It does also, and we were talking about this last week off mic, clearly there are going to be some real opportunities, grasps or nettles to be grasped for European players to get in to a new look Team Europe team for the Ryder Cup next year. Yep. You know, someone like a Guido, he can get a place, a McIntyre. Um, even when you look over in America, Seamus Power. Seb Stracker. These are all players that can play themselves with the old guard as well, your Francesco Molinaris, Rasmus Hoygaard, another clear, Victor Perez. You know, the, the, these guys can all fight for a definitive place in the Ryder Cup next year. Mm. Yep, yep. There's, there's going to be spots available, as you say. There's the old guard kind of Cleared drifting out. away from that, uh, that, that process and, uh, and, and those that are involved with Live too. So it leaves a few, few gaps that a few players will have their eye on that's for sure do you think that you know the let's say the core of our team is is very good let's say the front seven front six or seven do you think that the opportunity for players outside of that <clears throat> when they see that they'd be looking back on just genuinely four spots i could jump one of those i could jump into do you think that helps accelerate their games this year like we would need them to to get up to the level where we'd feel comfortable with them competing against the US next year? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Because they do need to jump. Yes. But what's the trigger for it? I know what you mean because you've had players that have snuck into a team in the past and you know that they might get one game and one of the pairs and then the singles and they're just very much bit part players because... Yeah, the captain doesn't feel overly confident in playing them, and you know there's, mm. there's probably their, their rookie attempts. And yeah, you know, do you, you want a team of twelve very competent players? Really, don't you? You'd be comfortable putting in any pairing and uh, and pushing out there at any position in the singles and just letting them fly. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it'll be an interesting period because you you undoubtedly find one or two players who have an incredible year who you'll be absolutely more than happy to have on the team. You know, and as, Bob, as, as Steve said, you know, Bob McIntyre potentially could have a, an absolute blind in year. You know, a Matt Wallace, a player like that who goes and wins two or three tournaments who you'd comfortably have on the team. I, I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing mm. to have these, you know, this, this changing of the guard as it's described. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think having... Um... On a on, on a print, like just looking at it, having four maybe five spots that you, you're looking at genuinely being open, mm. open season. Go go grab them. I think that might be the the catalyst for a number of guys like really 
developing their games and, and stepping up to the next level over the next uh, few months. Yeah. The, uh, fingers yeah. crossed. I, ho- I hope that's the case because then, then we go into next year at least quite bullish of our chances uh, yeah. rather than going, oh God, we're going to get twatted around the park. You know, I, I also didn't mention, you know, old stages like Alex Noren or Danny Willett. Yep. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of opportunities out there you know, for a lot of these players to get into that Ryder Cup team. Even Tom Lewis, Paul. He might, he might, not, he might need to improve his Sunday uh, performance. Yeah. Well, let's hope he doesn't improve it this week because I'm going nowhere near him. But <laughs> You know, you've got a your young talent like Ewan Ferguson or an Andre Arnaus. You know, players of this cap- yeah. capability, they can stroke put together a decent six months of golf. It's all there for gra- it's all up for grabs, mate. Yeah, well, you'd imagine that with Luke Donald playing a lot of these events, he'll be having that exact conversation with these players when he's paired with them or grouped with them or talks to them and, you know, privately, and you know, be saying to him, you know, go go and show me what you've got, go and prove to me you mm, want to be in this yeah. team because there's an opportunity there. Now, I know this goes against the official World Golf Ranking um, formula this week. But I thought we would start with the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, which to me would be the strongest of the two tournaments this week, although it isn't. Yeah. So let's do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an odd one, isn't it? It's the more interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I well, think it's certainly so. got the bigger names. I think, yeah, and you know, what you're alluding to there is the fact that um, compared to the Sanderson Farms, the, the number of ranking points up for grabs is higher on the Sanderson Farms than the, than the Dunhill Links. Yet, if you look at the field and just eyeball the top of the markets, um, it doesn't make a massive amount of sense. There's a logic there. We've tried to tried to work it out between us, and, um, and I don't think any of the three of us have got a degree in applied mathematics to try and fully understand it all, but um, there must be some logic there. I'm sure I'm sure someone would be able to describe to us exactly how and why it works. But but yeah, let's just let's let's take the Dunhill Links on face value because it is a great event and it's uh, it's a very strong field, um, as Barry just described uh, for our annual trip to the home of golf for this uh, well-established pro-am. Uh, Five million dollar prize fund, um, as I said a few minutes ago. So it's a, um, yeah, it's well worth the effort for these players who need these ranking points for this, um, uh, yeah, for, for next year's card or for the uh, the race to Dubai positions to get themselves towards the um, towards the Earth course at the back end of the season. Now the attendee list is strong. Rory McIlroy again showing some support for the DP World Tour. He is the nine to two favourite. Shane Lowry's back, 11-1. to 1. Matt Fitzpatrick's back after his playoff defeat last time out for him, 11-1 um, also. Till Hatton, 16-1. to 1. Tommy Fleetwood's back playing 20-1 to 1 this week. Thomas Peters, 28. Billy Horschel's over, again supporting the DP World Tour, which again has to be supported, or applauded rather. 30-1. Uh, to 1. Uh, Bob McIntyre, Talal Gooch, 33. 35-1 to 1 bar those players, but there are a number of recognisable names in the 40, 50 to 1 bracket and beyond. Now, Boyle Sports are supporting this particular event um, strongly. They've got a 10 places each way option, which, um, again, from Boyle Sports' perspectives, they do like to uh, push the boat out of these big events. So do check out their prices. Coral and Labrook's eight places each way. And, of course, 
as we've been saying for the last few weeks bet 365 have their each way extra proposition running again that's eight places each way a fifth of the odds and different uh, or differential terms available beyond that for 10 and 12 places each way also available so check out any of those bookies before you place your bets because you may find there's a better price and place combination than the one you are looking at on your screen i noticed now, that you grabbed three three of your five tips with bet 365 each way extra yeah i mean you know i i, I don't want to favor any particular bookie over no, another because no. i take i take them all on face value as we as we all do because mm. you know we're all seeking the best proposition and um, the best combination but the pricing um and the each way terms from 365 generally um is tough to beat you've got the odd one that's beaten here or there um, yeah. Or you'll make a decision yourself to take a slightly higher um, price at, um, at lower each way terms, but for a blend, yeah, it's, they're in a they're, they've got a strong promotion, strong proposition at the moment. Yeah. So well, well worth a look. This is this is astonishing because the poll of a year ago would not be saying this. He'd be like, "I want less places." Well, actually, Bet Three Six Five do that as well now, but he'd probably be like, five places, big price, hit me up." <laughs> well, Barry, I'm not. I'm not totally immune what have I to done? it. <laughs> not totally immune. What have I done to you? Because <laughs> a couple of my uh, a couple of my picks this week were at lower each way terms because I couldn't resist the price. But we'll get onto that oh, yeah. when I go through my team of five in a few minutes. Now, as ever, we're playing a three course rotation here at the Daniel Link. So it's St Andrews, Kingsbarns, and Carnoustie. Varying degrees of difficulty, of course. All of them are Lynx courses. St Andrews, the most recognisable, as we know, hosted the Open Championship back in July. Um, of the three, Carnoustie tends to play the toughest in regular conditions. Um, all of them can present a decent challenge, though, if the weather closes in. And in that respect, I've been keeping a close eye on the forecast because it has been um, quite, it's been fluctuating quite a bit in terms of what they expect. Thursday looks fine. Friday. Looks like there's a lot of rain and potentially wind pushing in from the west. I'm seeing wind in the 20 to 30 mile an hour bracket and quite a lot of rain. So if that does materialise during the playing hours on Friday, that's going to make it particularly nasty. Um, and uh, it's going to be tough to play and the rounds are going to absolutely grind to a halt. I mean, you're talking six hour plus rounds anyway, and that's probably going to get potentially close to seven maybe. We shall see. Over the weekend, it looks quite breezy too. It's 15, 20 miles an hour. Um, cold mornings, sub 10 degrees Celsius, so sub 50 Fahrenheit um, in the mornings and struggles to get much beyond that, to be honest. You know, might get up to the mid 50s um, in the afternoons, but that's it really. So um, it will make it a little bit tougher. I mean, tougher conditions doesn't necessarily mean an all-out grind in this event. You know, there is a pro-am. They do put the pin, pin positions in quite favourable positions. Um, and we've seen similar kind of conditions before and it just means rather than the winning score being kind of 22, 24 under, it tends to bring it down to maybe 15, 17, 18 under that kind of number. So don't expect it to be um, don't expect it to be an open championship because it never is. That's not what it turns this um, event into when it when the, when the weather closes in. It just means it's not an all out birdie fest. To put that into context, I'll take you through some of the recent-ish recent winners. 2010 was Martin Keimer, um, 17 under he won that year. He was a 16 to 1 shot. Then we've got some long, longer prices. Michael Howey won at 250 to 1 in 2011. 
at 22 under. Brandon Grace was 50s the year after. Same same winning score, 22 under. David Howell, 125 to 1 in 2013. Um, 23 under for Howell that year. Ollie Wilson, 500 to 1 in 2014 at 17 under. Tuilbjorn Olsen, 200 to 1. A lot of long prices there. 18 under in 2015. Uh, then Till Houghton won back-to-back years at 66 is, and then 22 to 1 in 2017. 23 and 24 under par for those two wins. Lucas Berrigard won in 2018 at 50 to 1, 15 under. Victor Perez on debut back in uh, 2019 at 22 under, 175 to 1. And then Danny Willett coming off a very inconspicuous form last year. 100 to 1 for Danny Willett last year 18 under it's mad price I know you've talked about Willett Steve he's that kind of player isn't he where you can just back him blindly and yeah. it's just um, you know if he wins he wins if he doesn't um, you know we saw him pop up at the uh, Fortinet a couple of weeks ago didn't we an even longer price I think at 125s and 125s at the Fortinet yeah could and probably should have won that as well so um, he, he reminds me of your Jim Herman Ted Potter Jr long term plays mm. Yes, just with Although a. Danny uh, Willett is, <laughs> Danny Willett is actually a brilliant player. Yeah, he's got, he's got that how many times opinion. have you backed Jim Herman at five hundred to one? He, he oh, a lot. I've, I've, I've not actually been on him the right week when he's done it. But <laughs> I've, I've, I've eyeballed his his numbers and his uh, his string of missed cuts in the past and thought that perhaps it's that week. But yeah, the, I think we've said all along with Danny Willett. He, he doesn't finish fifth and then win. He'll miss the cut. And then win when nobody's on him. Yeah, exactly. And he does tend to win big titles. Yeah, yeah. Which and is why yeah, the Fortinet you... didn't really fit. You look Not this that I'm week. He, he didn't want to win it, but no. Well, no, he should have won it, shouldn't he? Mm. Yeah, will it this week? Forty-five to one. I'm seeing or thereabouts. Um, yeah, but defending champion coming off the back of a very close call on his previous start. What's he do this week? He probably misses the cut. I mean, mm. that, that might come back and bite me on the backside, that statement, but that's kind of his MO, isn't it? Yeah. Um, some trends that you could grab onto for this particular event. 16 of the last 20 winners had already won on the DP World Tour or as it was at the time, a European Tour. So um, a lot of previous winners, not many maidens getting over the line for the first time here. And I understand that. It's a, it's a big event with a big prize fund and... A lot of prestige, so um, it, it can lend itself to players with more winning experience. Um, 13 of the last 20 were won by either Great British or Irish players, so a lot of local, you know, homegrown or localish players getting over the line here. Eight of the last 13 winners had a win in the current or the previous season, so some recent enough winning form seems to be good. And eight of thirteen, eight of the last thirteen again had a top ten finish in this particular event before winning. And quite a few, you'll find if you you have a good look through the event stats, quite a few of the winners here had a very close call, a second place finish or thereabouts in the Dunhill Links before winning. So having a good taste of what um, you know, of, of getting close to winning this event and then going on and getting a subsequent victory seems to be a way that a lot of players tend to tend to get over the line here. Now, stats-wise, the data is only captured at St Andrews, so there's li- there's relatively little to work with. There's little bits of strokes gain data. There's little bits of 
um, traditional stats data as well. But do bear it in mind if you're searching through any of the data this week. It's St Andrews, so um, you're not getting a full view of how players performed at Carnoustie and Kingsbarns over the years. Generally, though, and it's links golf, you need to hit some greens. You need to scramble well, particularly if the weather does close in a bit. Big greens as well, particularly at St Andrews. So you need to be, avoid three putts. That tends to be the order of the day, really. You know, the, com the combination of just uh, playing well from tee to green. And, uh, and and if the conditions are tough, I just make sure that you're playing well enough on and around the greens. In easy conditions, the putter needs to be red hot. I mean, to be getting into the 22, 23, 24 under bracket, then you need to be making the putts. But conditions this week, yeah, as I said a minute ago, I think that the, the winning total will be a, a good few strokes down on that half a dozen or so would be my kind of guess below that top level. Um, very recent incoming form is not the be-all and end-all here by the looks of it. I mean, Willett and uh, Perez in 2019, both of them came off missed cuts on their previous start. And um, Perez was also a debutant, which kept him off the radar a bit, even though there were some local ties, which came more generally out to the, to the, to the golfing public after he'd won that event. But generally, as I say, if you've got a decent result in the past, it doesn't tend to hurt. Um, the other point, I guess, is you've got this um, situation where Thursday is going to be relatively placid. Friday could be particularly nasty in terms of weather. Um, we won't see the draw until later this evening on Tuesday here in the UK. So um, there could be some draw bias there. You, you could argue that you want to get um, Carnoustie out of the way on a decent Day. so playing Carnoustie on a Thursday may be the maybe the trick but um it doesn't <laughs> Kingsbarns can be quite tough in the in the wind and we've seen before you know some of the open championships where we've had um, some some wind and raid coming through St Andrews it's been a been a tough tough course to play so you know I think all of them could play particularly tricky on Friday if that um, forecast weather really does come through so yeah ultimately particularly with a bit of wind over the weekend I think a little bit of experience around here could be the way forward um, for for trying to pick out who your best picks are this week. Now, looking at the top of the market, we've got the same dilemma really that we had at the um, Italian Open and at the uh, BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth because we've got Rory at the top, we've got Matt Fitzpatrick just below him. Both of them really short prices. I mean, Rory, nine to two. Again, it's a win-only price for me. <sighs> He gets so close. He's come close a number of times, both in Open Championships and also um, Dunhill Links events here at St Andrews without getting over the line. And I can see him in the mix again, but if he finishes second or third or fourth, that's no good to anyone in terms of a bet. So I'll leave him alone. Matt Fitzpatrick, again, can you really discount him? Could and perhaps should have won last time out. Shane Lowry, if the hangover's subsided, which I expect after a couple of weeks off, he'll, uh, he'll be back into the swing of practicing and he's playing some fantastic golf before he uh, won the, the BMW PGA. You know, any of those three guys, if they're playing well enough, could go and win that. But I've gone for a couple um, who are just below those three players in the betting. Firstly, I've backed Tyrrell Hatton, 16-1 um, to 1 with the eight-place option at 365. He's won here twice, as I said earlier, 2015 and 2016. He's also finished runner-up twice. Seems to be something in this format, something in these surroundings here at St Andrews, which brings the best out of him. You know, he's a fiery character, Tyrrell. We, we know that, but it brings a certain level of serenity. I wonder if it's the pro-am element. I wonder if playing with people, it kind of keeps a lid on his um, temperament to a certain degree. 
Mm. <laughs> might be famous last words because we might be seeing him snapping clubs before at the end of Thursday. No, I get that. I think he, I think he feeds off the energy of people around him though, mm. uh, and ban- and banter's with it and enjoys it. So um, yeah, it's a, it makes a lot of sense. There's something there, isn't there? For to see mm. him have performed so well in this event and this format in the past, there's there's got to be some logic in there somewhere. I think. Um, recently, opened with a 72 in Italy before. Um, well, that was pretty lackluster, really. He fired nine birdies on the Friday to get himself in the mix. Shot 65 that that day. Eventually finished eighth, which was much better. Um, than some of his um, finishes earlier in the year. Saying that, 11th at the Open Championship here at, um, at St Andrews and a few half-decent efforts on the uh, PGA Tour as well. It suggests to me he's not really that far away. And in Italy, fourth for strokes gained off the tee. I've gone through his record. That looks to me like his best career stat on the strokes gained off the tee um, ever recorded. So something's working with the driver. Uh, ninth for greens and regulation, eight for scrambling as well, and um, combination of those three it looks looks like a decent uh, decent combination of stats coming into this week, and a player that has got the ability to take on those boys at the top of the market, Tyrrell Hatton. Um, he knows how to win here, um, can, knows how to beat these players when playing his best golf. So quite happy to take a chance on him at sixteen. Quite happy to take a chance also when, on Tommy Fleetwood at twenty to one. Now, Tommy's also got a fantastic record here without quite getting over the line. He was fifth year in debut back in 2011. Um, never missed a cut here. Um, and they've got another top two top five finishes, a couple of runner-up finishes as well. Seventh last year, really, really strong record at the Dunhill Links. And for me, I'd be super surprised if he doesn't get one of these Dunhill Links trophies at some point in his career, potentially as early as this week. Fourth here at the Open in July. He was also fourth at Renaissance as well. Um, missed a few weeks after that following the passing of his mother, um, as we talked about at the um, before the, the BMW PGA Championship where I backed him. Now, he opened that week. It uh, went with uh, with a bogey 364. It looked like everything was going swimmingly at that point. Um, and then we all know what happened there with the, the Queen's passing. Um, Tommy... Well, you know, you don't know how any of those things individually affected people. Drifted down the leaderboard after that point, shot a couple of seventy threes, and uh, you know, was an also ran at the end. At the end, but certainly some good signs. Loves this event, and um, there's you know, there's a good bit of form there after after a good few weeks off. So perhaps Tommy can pick it up and really make a uh, concerted effort to uh, to get his Ryder Cup campaign off to a good start this week. Matt Wallace also similar position in terms of you know that he should be super motivated for the Ryder Cup. I backed Wallace at eighty to one. He's one of the players I was talking about, Barry. I backed him with six places each way, a fifth of the odds, because I wanted that eighty to one price point on Matt Wallace. Generally, you're getting sixty sixes or less if you're going for the extended place option. But that was with uh, Unibet yesterday. Um, and as I say, Wallace should be super motivated. And given the um, the points and the uh, the prize fund up for grabs, that should you know this is going to be a good title for him to win in that respect. I think some decent good you know some some good links form in the UK and Ireland over the years and progressive form here fifty eighth twenty eighth and then fifteenth last time he played in twenty nineteen. Uh, played over in the Fortinet on his last start twenty first. That's decent enough. Fourteenth for strokes gained off the tee. Twelfth for strokes gained tee to green. Decent enough stro- long game stats 
The real spark, though, was at Crown Sorcier back on the uh, DP World Tour a couple of weeks before. He forced a playoff that week with Tristan Lawrence, as you may remember. His putter, short game, both of them that week were absolutely red hot. So combine that with the fact that his long game looked good at the 14-air, um, I think he should be super motivated this week. I think I think Wallace will feature this week, I really do. Another one who interests me, and again, another one I've taken a price on with less each-way um options is Adrian Otegi. I took 90 to 1 on Otegi with uh, Unibet six places each way, a fifth of the odds. Now Otegi, I've looked um I looked at Travis Smythe who was um he won over in uh what was it Taiwan last week. He's the first live golfer to win a regular event with regular world ranking points since the advent of Live. And I wonder if Otegi will take some inspiration from that. You know, the bubbles, um, you know, the maiden's been burst in that respect, effectively. Someone's got over the line in a regular event. And uh, perhaps there'll be a glut of these live players returning to their respective tours and, uh, and, and competing and contending as we move forward. We shall see. Now, in terms of Smythe and... Um, Otegi, both of them have played three out of five live events. So there's kind of similar status in that respect. They're they're not starting every single live event live event. Otegi, though, when he's been playing on the DP World Tour, has been playing some nice stuff. Um he was third at the Hero Open at Fairmont St Andrews a few weeks back, 13th at Wentworth, 13th also last week in France. And he's that kind of accurate sort who blows hot and cold with his irons. Good off the tee. Not always great from um, you know with his approach play. Third for Greens and, Regu- uh, Greens and Regulation last week, though, in uh, France. That, for me, is particularly note- noteworthy about a player like Otegi. Best of 27th here at St Andrews. But he's won at Fairmont St Andrews just up the road back in 2020. That was in cold, damp conditions. Shot 23 under that week. I think he can draw on that experience and potentially get himself into the mix this week. And finally, longer price. I've looked at the conditions and I thought, well, the forecast here could get worse than it is at the moment, particularly over the weekend. And if the conditions do turn decidedly nasty, then a really experienced hand could gravitate up the leaderboard. Um, and I've gone for Padraig Harrington. I think Padraig really could go well this week. Twice a winner here. Twice an open champion, as we know. Um, applies his trade mainly on the senior tour now, doesn't he? Um, been absolutely mopping up on that tour recently, though. A couple of regular season wins on the seniors in the last couple of weeks, or last few weeks. Also won the senior US Open. He was second in the senior open championship, too. Playing some really tidy stuff. Um, and I don't think he's gone past the point of being uncompetitive on the regular tour. I mean, fourth at last year's US PGA Championship at major championship level tells us that. I think when the course and conditions suit, he still believes he's competitive. Um, you know, I think he's still competitive. So who's to argue? Um, 140 to one with eight places each way. Harrington this week, I thought, was a punt worth taking. So that's my five. Harrington, Atagi, Wallace and... Uh, Tommy Fleetwood and of course Tyrrell Hatton at the top of the list for me and that's my five Barry any fancies from you for the for the Dunhill uh, I'm with you on Harrington hmm. you know, it'll be a slightly easier setup which is used to from the Champions Tour and uh, yeah can handle the conditions yeah make that three of us Yay, there we go sink or swim together boys Full house. Yeah. we're yeah. all on Harrington yeah God damn! I really hope he goes okay here because uh, I like I hate I'd hate him to go on to Steve's post-it note. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
basically. I wonder yeah. if there's. He rarely plays on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Maybe he's going to make the Ryder Cup I... team this year. <laughs> oh, man, there you go. Let's not overrig it. No, no, Harrington, if, no. if the weather turns bad, it's, it's a. I mean, that's a guy that finished fifth in a major last year in windy, horrible conditions by the coast of Kira Island, so. He's winning majors on the senior tour, so yeah, yeah. no brainer. And even even the regular events, he's just popping up and mopping them up, and isn't he? He's uh, yeah. he's, he's playing some good underlying golf, and you get the right conditions for him, get the right kind of course, and one that he knows he can win at. I, I think he can be a feature this week. Agreed. Anyone else there, Barry? Uh, I, I when it comes to the pro ams, I generally stay away from the the top end of the market because I just find it. A bit trickier to figure out and whether they'll actually go that well that week. Mm. So I'm going to go for continue with that uh, couple of outsiders. I'm going to take Richie Ramsey. Yep. Yep. Winner only a few weeks ago. Don't need to say much more. Uh, playing at home, so uh, could could go nicely. So I haven't placed the bet yet, but somewhere around the hundred, hundred and ten to one he is, uh, depending which um, each way I will take. Yeah, and just then, on Rich, sorry, just on Richie. Yeah, he, sure. He has that magical second place finish, which, as I mentioned in the preamble, a lot of the winners here, if you go back through, a fair number of them had a second place finish, um, at some point back in their history in the uh, in the Dunhill Links, and it was what twenty fourteen that uh, that Ramsey finished second here. So yeah, I, I can mm. see the logic, Barry. I really can. I mean, tenth and seventeenth here the last two years mm. and. For somebody who's uh, you know, six starts ago was has a win on tour, he's yep. over hundred to one. Thanks very much. Yeah, and uh, I'm taking a similar kind of thought process. Another Scott who won five tournaments ago and has won twice this year already, and he's hundred to one. It doesn't make sense. Seventeenth there last year. So you and Ferguson. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul was on him last week, so that's a great Perfect, bet. Then. Unbelievable week yeah, after artist, mate. Yeah, I, I might, I might actually take all of my stake money off Ramsey and Harrington, just lump it on Ferguson. <laughs> mm. oh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see him pop up. I, I was, I was close on Ferguson, but yeah, I got burned on him last week, and I expect he comes back and uh, and burns me this week. We shall see. You got Mig- Migliazzi'd. Yeah, mm. let's see what happens. It's early days, that- but we've watched a lot of golf over the years. Where where would you think Ferguson's ceiling is this year, coming over the next twelve months? Is he in the same kind of ballpark? Um, you know, ceiling wise as a Robert McIntyre, although clearly McIntyre's two years down the track. Yeah, I don't know. He's certainly one of the young upcoming talents who. If he continues to win and has that ability, not just to top five and top ten, to, but to, to get himself over the line. And don't forget, he could have easily won a third tournament a few weeks back as well. He was super close before Ollie Wilson nailed those two 60-foot putts on the on the back nine. Otherwise, he'd, he'd have won three times this season. And to win three times on a regular tour on any season is impressive, you know, even for a, you know, a senior elite player. So, um, so yeah, I... I, I'd be fascinated to see how he goes, but um, you know, over the next twelve months, because if he carries on at that same trajectory, he will find himself on the Ryder Cup team, or very close to at least. We'll see. One other, I'm thinking of, and we were, we, you know, he's been playing phenomenal golf recently, and his odds have now 
because a few of the bigger names have arrived, his odds have drifted out. Eddie Pepperell, mm. 50 yeah. to 1 and above. What well, I know he's pro- he probably came very close to making your list. Why did he get left off? It's just Eddie's got himself into some good positions when I've been backing him over the last few weeks and it just hasn't quite pushed on and it's just been a little bit frustrating for me. Um, but yeah, again, I, there's, there's, there's no reason why I would say don't back Eddie because he could turn up and, and, and decide that this is the week where he really wants to really wants to perform. Um, yeah, I just at the end of the day, you kind of you set your stall out with a, a certain number of players and uh, and be done with it. I've gone for the guys at the top, but yeah, Eddie was Eddie was on the shortlist, absolutely. I mean, I suppose all you can do is put yourself in the position to maybe have a hot Sunday, and he's had in his last seven. I'm looking at here, he's only finished outside the top twenty once. Yeah, oh, he's been super consistent. Yeah, and he knows he's playing some good golf as well, so. Um, yeah, again, I, I I couldn't put you off if you fancy him. Give it a go. Lock it, lock it in. Pepperell, Ferguson, reverse forecast. We're good. <laughs> Absolutely. What about you, Steve? So you're on, you're on Harrington. Any, Harrington. any others catch your eye? I mentioned Southgate last week. He's just outside this race to Dubai. Top mm. 60. Yeah. Had a decent enough season. Yeah. We always yeah. say a sniff of sea salt. Southgate also had a second here previous years. Yep. Yep. So I'm taking uh, hundred to one. Mm. Um, I also took last night forty to one on a guy I mentioned earlier on. Again, outside that DP World Tour top sixty, uh, second on the PGA Tour four outings ago. He's finishing the top 17 here, five of his last seven appearances. Third in 2012, Alex Noren. Yeah. Yeah, I can see Noren going well. Ryder Cup year, I think for him, in his, I think he'd like to get himself to the DP World Tour Championship just for visibility, to show that he's playing good golf. Because someone like Noren can make a Ryder Cup team, as we've seen in the past. So, and... We've always said, I, I I never fancy Alex on anything bar Ben or Fescue or Poana. Mm. It's typically Northern European for me. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think this week will suit. I managed to get seven places each way with Betfred. Yeah. No. Again, I had a good look at him. It. The only thing that put me off slightly was his long game stats. Yeah, but... his numbers don't look great, but. That's, that's 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 kind of how he rolls, and when you turn up at a place like St Andrews, yeah. where the dimensions are bigger, exactly. you're gonna hit you're gonna hit more fairways, you're gonna hit more greens, and if your long game um, is struggling, or well, not struggling, but isn't quite up to the kind of metronomic levels of some other players, yeah. um, but your short game's there. His then short game's fantastic yeah. around the green and putting of late. So this is yeah. it. If he's going to hit more dance floors because of the size of the greens, yeah. I think Noren's got a decent shout this week, and you'd you'd look at him afterwards. Go, oh, yeah, Alex Noren at forty to one. Mm. Yeah, DP World Tour level, Ryder Cup qualification now kicking off. Yeah, so yeah, Noren for me. Yeah, I was I was trying to find that sort of hundred to one chance as well. That's the, the guy like last year, like like Willett, someone of that ilk. At a good price, but I've I've been scanning and it, it's, no one's really jumped out at me. No, no, there wasn't much. Me. 
there wasn't there wasn't much in that bracket. I mean, I would have, if if um, Joachim Lagergren had been playing a little bit better, I'd have been tempted on him because he's got a really strong record here. Um, the one I came closest to was Peter Uline at uh, 150 to one, who's finished second here in the past and was second on the Live Tour in his last start as well. So there's some good form there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he's that kind of player who can get away with a little bit off the tee here. Um, given the dimensions, particularly of St Andrews, but but yeah, I, 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 in the end, I just settled for the five. But I, some solid picks there, lads. I, I I can see a few of those getting in the mix. So um, we shall see. Sanderson Farms time. Let's do it. You can't say it's one of the highlights on the PJ Tour, but it's, it's an event I don't mind actually. Um, it's it's something you can get your teeth into, I think, as a tournament with some trends, and they're the ones that I like. Um, Country Club of Jackson. It's a seven thousand four hundred and sixty-one yard par seventy-two. Completely different to what we're seeing at St Andrews. Naturally, I classify it as a resort golf course, and it's long in distance. Five holes have water in play, tree line, but I wouldn't classify it as classical. Um, it gets quite specialised with the agronomy, and I think that's an angle that we can look at. Fairways of Bermuda grass. Rough is Bermuda grass with zuja, two inches in length, the rough, so nothing major. Greens are 6,200 square feet, so fairly chunky. They feature champion ultra dwarf Bermuda grass. Steve, wouldn't it be great if you could give us a list of the golf courses on the PJ Tour that feature champion Bermuda grass? I always listen to the people, boys. Here they are. Congaree, 2021 Palmetto Championship. Just as a reference, they're playing Congaree in a few weeks' time at the CJ Cup. Yes. Trinity Forest, 2018-2019. The course built on a dump just outside of Dallas that was an in, a Lynx golf course, apparently, which they never set up as a Lynx. That had champion Bermuda grass greens. One that's on the tour every year, TPC Southwind. I can hear Barry. I can hear Barry's sensors picking up when I mention TPC Southwind. Uh, we've also got Sedgefield, where they played a Wyndham every year, and Quail Hollow. That was since 2017. So anything past Justin Thomas's PGA Championship victory was played on Champion Bermuda Grass at Quail Hollow. So yes. I don't. I mean, I'm looking at form charts here. St Jude is a great marker. I mean, Sam Burns finished second at St Jude before winning this. Sergio Garcia has a fourth at St Jude before winning this. Colonial Country Club's another. Burns won at Colonial this year. Sergio Garcia is a Colonial winner. Sebastian Munoz, who won here in 2019, has a third place at Colonial. You could even look at the Byron Nelson, where they've been playing it two years at Craig Ranch. Sam Burns finished second at one of those two renewals, and Sebastian Munoz finished third. Low-scoring event, resort kind of golf course. I think there's some links to the Travellers Championship at River Highlands. There's definitely, definitely links also to Mayakoba, where they play uh, at El Chameleon every November. Um, they're, they're the really obvious ones. Another one, potentially, Sam Burns, of course, 
absolutely dominates at Copperhead, where they played a valve spa. Sergio Garcia has a couple of uh, top seven finishes there. Ryan Armour, who won here many years ago, he has a top six finish at Copperhead. Uh, I don't think PJ National's a bad one either. Sam Burns is a top 10 at PJ National where they played a Honda Classic. Sergio Garcia, second place. So yeah, any, any, anything with Bermuda tends to help. Let's, let's be frank. Sam Burns won here at 22 under in 2021. 2020 saw Sergio Garcia at 19 under. Sebastian Munoz was 18 under. Cam Champ, 21 under. There's a bit of wind in the forecast Thursday, Friday. It's going to be touching 30 degrees even though we're in... Um, Going to be in October. We're in the deep south here. Zoysia grass, Bermuda grass, hot, humid conditions, and plenty of birdies. So that's where I'm at. Field, not the best. Um, as we discussed at the top, you know, clearly the field at the Alfred Dunhill looks stronger, even though on a, on a world ranking perspective it's not. Um, we won't go into the where's and why not to that. We haven't got time. And probably don't understand the world rankings enough. Although Barry was explaining them to us before we recorded this. It's basically depth of field. But um, Burns is a 9-1 to one or 10-1 to favourite. We then have Sahith Tigala at 20s. This makes me laugh. Russell Henley at 25s. Denny McCarthy at 28s. <laughs> it's all linking back to the post-it note. And we're then into the <laughs> likes of Sebastian Munoz. Um, has he withdrawn? Looks like there's quite a few spaces yeah, on has, this chart. Yeah, yeah. yeah he So he's a goner. We've got Taylor Montgomery, who I mentioned as a very um, up-and-coming Corn Ferry grad who backdoored a top three finish last time out at the Fortinet. And then you're down to like players of JT Poston at 25-1. to 1. It isn't really enthralling me. Um, we did mention Scott Stallings, didn't we, a few podcasts ago when he was qualifying for Tour Championships and yep. that he might have a run in the fall... He's a 33 to 1 chance right now with Unibet. And then we're out to 40 to 1. Keegan Bradley, Thomas Dietrich, Emiliano Grio, uh, Davis Riley, Christian Bezadenhut. Do you want to know any more before we go into our tips? We're pretty tight on time, so I'm sure the listeners want to hear some, uh, some details around who we're mm. tipping up. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, to me, the one thing that I did know, and this 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 does preclude Ryan Armour, who won this five years ago. I will say about Ryan Armour, even though he's particularly short, Ryan Armour's one of those weird guys that you see in the strokes gained off the tee numbers because he's so damn straight, he actually gains in terms of his accuracy off the yeah. tee. Often I find him in my uh, top 20 rolling strokes going off the tee numbers, Ryan Armour. But since then, Burns, 305, Garcia, 319, Munoz, 320, Champ, 313. Those were their yardages on the PGA Tour heading into this event. I think it suits Bombers in terms of winners. So for me, it's been pretty critical that I want guys that are driving the ball long at the moment which does actually offer up a couple of decent long shots. Um, one I didn't go for, and one that I could have easily included, is our old friend MJ Daffy, 150 yeah. to 1 available. 
because he's also he had a contending performance on one of uh, the start that he actually had here. But I've kept it pretty tight. Um, I'll go in reverse order. Why not? First up, Benny Ann. 75 to 1. I've got eight places each way with bet 365 each way extra. Four of my five, I believe, with each way extra. Bet 365 at the time. Um, ben Am, back on the PGO Tour. Fourth last time. Hits the ball a mile. And I just love the fact he's got an exceptional champion Bermuda grass green resume. Third at Sedgefield in 2019. 12th at TPC Southwind in 2020. He was actually, he did a bit of a Ches Reeve there. He was actually second or third heading into Sunday at World Golf Championship level. Found it all far too much. Finished 12th. Third here at the Country Club of Jackson in 2019. I didn't expect to see 75 to 1, 80 to 1 about Ben Am this mm. week. I, yeah. I thought he'd have the absolute knees cut off his price. So if we're going down the route of a player who can link together when confident, contending performances, clearly has never won in America, not in terms of PGO Tour level. Um, he did win this year, though. He won on the Corn Ferry in Florida on Bermuda grass. Um, yeah, I just thought... For a guy that was very high in my predictor model, came out second, I'd grab him at that price. So I'm on Ben Am. I then go into some mid-range kind of players. So I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, you guys got anything around the 75 to 1 and outside of that in terms of your selections for this Sanderson Farms? Um, yeah, I've only backed one, but he is in that bracket. Um, and that's Nick Taylor, who yep. um, won here back in 2014. Um, not a great deal since that point, but did win the uh, win at, won at Pebble Beach, didn't he? Twenty twenty, yeah. I think it was. I think it was. Um, yeah, eighty to one, Nick Taylor with the eight places option with three six five. What caught my eye was his effort last time out of the forty. Now he, he goes through these patches, doesn't he, Taylor, where he doesn't do much and then just pops up. So he was sick for the forty net last time out. He shot a 75 in round two. Other than that, it was really, really good. 67, 67, 68 is other three rounds. Um, had he done anything similar to that in the the second round, he would have probably won the tournament. So, so yeah, I, I thought it was worth taking on there at um, 80 to 1. Given it's, As you said, it's not the strongest of fields, is it? And no. someone with a bit of uh, bit of experience around the greens and putting looked, um, looked really good. Um Second for strokes gain two to green as well um, on his last start. So, yeah, lots to like, I think, with uh, Nick Taylor. Players, the only one. players say a lot of things in platitudes in, um, in their um, interviews. But one thing you always read about this place is that the greens are some of the purest greens on tour anywhere. Mm. Beautiful greens to putt on. Yeah. Taylor's a good putter, has to be said. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think he could go well. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. What about you, Barry? Where, where are you I, fishing? I've won around there, and don't even ask how I came to arrive at Bakken, but I'm, I'm on Dean Burmester. Yeah. He's certainly a bummer. Yep. He can, yeah, he can nuke it out there. So, mm. um, yeah, just, you know, earned his card to the tour. Um, like I said, the, the field strength isn't phenomenal, and he... I'm expecting to see a couple of wins from the the Corn Ferry Tour graduates um, over the next few weeks. This is 
you know, strike while the iron's hot. They've got the enthusiasm to be out on tour and they'll see an opportunity to do it. So. Yeah. Cameron Champ did that here, didn't he? Back in uh, 18, 2018, yeah. Uh, I think it's 25th that the 40 net came here and uh, won that as a, as a Corn Ferry grab. Yeah. The one player I was absolutely shocked, absolutely shocked, that I got 45 to 1 on was a guy that contended and finished second at Southwind a few weeks ago in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Sepp Straka. And I know it's obvious why he's 45 to 1, because he's played here four times and missed the cut four times. But <laughs> Seb Stracker is now in the world's top 40. He's the second highest ranked player in this field. He just finished seventh in the FedEx Cup for the whole season. I think that was worth $2 million in a bonus payment. Damn. He was seventh alongside Patrick Cantley, and he beat the likes of Matsuama Spieth, Hovland, Fitzpatrick, Rahm. Morikara and Sam Burns in the FedEx Cup this year. He's an absolute Bermuda grass beast. He won at the Honda Classic this year, beating Shane Lowry at the end there. I know that you've been, you guys have been circling Seb Stracker for a number of weeks on these Bermuda tests. And I just thought 45 to 1 just has to go in. Just, you mm. just have to place him in there. In a field this week, He's the ninth best European in the official world golf rankings right now. He's got all of his 2023 major and PGA Tour invitational appearances safely on his schedule. I think Stracker's one of these guys that could, again, be on the, you know, on a medium length shortlist in terms of players that could make their way onto a Ryder Cup team if he keeps playing the way he is. So yeah, Stracker, he was sixth at the Tour Championship a few weeks ago in terms of 72-hole score scoring. So I thought 45-1, to 1, just got to have that. So I took yeah. that. 45-1, to 1, eight places each way with Ladbrokes on Seb Stracker. I don't... Oh, I, nice. I mean, clearly it's the miscuts, but you've got Seb Stracker at 45-1, to 1, yeah, and you've got Russell Henley as short as 16-1. to 1. I can't compute that in any way, shape, or form. No, it is purely that that record here, isn't it? But you know, he looks like a different beast nowadays, doesn't he? You know, as, as you described the potential for um, for Ryder Cup motivation there with Sepp Stracker, and yeah, you can't can't deny what he was doing at the back end of last season. On yeah, the and it's not as if we haven't seen players turn up at events with terrible course form and win. I mean, you mentioned last year Tommy Fleetwood at, at the Open de France, three must yeah. miss cuts, was it, and then goes and wins. Yeah, four, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah, just just turns it around. Yeah, it does happen. So I took Stracker, who can get it out there. He's not he's not short off the tee, is he, Seb? Seb. Um, I also took an absolute beast off the tee, a guy that really showed um, how well he was playing since his um, he won at the Barbasol. Trey Mullinax. Um, you just look at Mullinax. He missed the cut last time at the Fortinet. Poana is not his beast. No, he's not. He's not a Poana guy. You just look wherever you know Corn Ferry, wherever he's played well on the PJ Tour. It's all in the deep south. So Bomber, guy that can putt well on Bermuda grass greens. 
He's, he's ranking sixth in my tee to green across the last eight weeks. He missed out on the Tour Championship by one spot. He finished 31st in the FedEx Cup. So that was, you know, as we've always said, top 30. Um, yeah. Top 30 spot would have been yeah, all the majors. A huge, huge boast. So I can see why he struggled at the 40 net because that must have hurt him mentally. Secondly, he's rubbish on Parana. But I think this is absolutely his track. He finished uh, in the top six here last time they played here 12 months ago. So I'm on Trey Mullinax. And if you're looking again at world ranking and you're looking at prices, Harris English at 45 to 1. I took that again with bet 365, eight place each way on the each way extra, mm. um, as was Trey Mullinax. English, you just look at his record, four PGA Tour victories, two on Bermuda grass, has gone well here in the past. To keep that top 50 position prior to Christmas gets him a Masters invite, and he was ninth last time out of the Fortinet. He, uh, he struggled this year with a torn labrum. Right hip in his right hip. Uh, since then, hasn't done a great deal, but yeah, that ninth fast finish at the Fortinet. This is really kind of Harris English territory. Georgia boy, Sea Island resident, comes in motivated, comes in with a bit of momentum, bit of confidence, and a winner on Champion Bermuda Grass Greens at Southwind in 2013. So it's not as if he doesn't get on with the champion. He's got a first, a tenth, and fourth last year at the WGC level at TPC Southwind. So I've, I've gone for Harris English, another that can get it out there. And if we're looking at the top of the shop, one player that I've been following and stalking for quite a period of time, um, he's due a win. He reminds me slightly of Patrick Cantley when I got his first ever win at the Shriners Open a few years ago, Sahith Tagala. Whatever stats I look at, whatever eight-week Rankings I'm looking at, skill sets, the lot. Even where this guy's done well, Copperhead he's played well at. Uh, a number of courses jumped out. And he was the 54-hole leader here last year. So Sahith Tagala, 20-1, to 1, I got eight places each way um, with Bet365. Would not be surprised if he won his maiden PDA Tour victory here this week. No, Sahith Tagala. Definitely a winner in waiting, isn't he? I think Tagala is. So I've to confirm Tagala... Seb, Seb Straker, still can't believe that prize. Harris English, Trey Mullinax, and then Benny Ann. Any others from you guys? Uh, no, not for me. I do, I'm, I'm pretty much convinced on Seb Straker now that you've uh, talked him through though, Steve. I think that's going to go into my, uh, my list. The inevitable question, are you on the Seb Straker train? I keep calling him Seb. It's Sep. Sep Stracker yeah. train. Do you want to yeah, throw us a fiver and I'll, I'll put on a little <laughs> pointy. Um, I'm not I'm not sure. I, I think I like your point, but I just, I, I hate the fact that he's got four missed cuts in a row here. Doesn't, uh, doesn't inspire confidence. If he goes and turns it all around into a win, then that'll just be a pretty cool um, tournament history for him. Um, I was looking at one other um, who have backed a couple of times uh, newbie out there Maddie Schmidt Schmidt yeah, yeah he can bomb it Schmidt yeah yeah 
So he's up at the one fifty to one bracket. So yeah, yeah. That seems like that seems like a bit of fun. This was the tournament last year. Just to back your point up, this was the tournament last year that, for the first time ever on the PGA Tour, we saw Cam Young, mm. <laughs> and we know what an unbelievable driver of the golf ball Cam Young is. There was also Hayden Buckley, who's a good driver, Malinax. Mm. Seth Reeves, guys that can really bomb it, all got in the top eight last year. And all of those guys mentioned, apart from Mullinax, were actual um, rookies. So it's yeah. that kind of event where some of them, some of the names you're not overly aware of will start filtering up. Yeah, I'm, I may actually join you on Mullinax. He was another one that was floating around my head. I'll sell you, we'll, we'll sign off. I'll sell you one last quirk. On Seb Stracker. Sam Burns had finished second at the WGC at St. Jude, played at Southwind, before winning this last year at 16 to 1. Who finished second this year at Southwind in the FedEx Cup playoffs? Seb Stracker. Mm. All makes sense. All makes sense. Misses the cut. That'll be five <laughs> missed cuts for Seb Stracker at the yeah. Country Club of Jackson. Mm. Right, it's been a, it's been a um, it's been a blast, boys. I've, I've I've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, boys. You too, lads. We will be back next week. What have you got, Paul? It's the Spanish Open next week. John Rahm's playing. So uh, yeah. So no, John Rahm at three to one. Event. John Rahm three to one, Tommy Fleetwood elevens, and then twenty five to one the field. He does. He does love dominating a ridiculously weak event, doesn't he, John Rahm? <laughs> yeah. Yep. He does like his home open. Um, mm. I'm trying to think what I've got. What have I got? Uh, I've had an absolute Shriners next week. It's the Shriners Open from. We're going to Las Vegas next week, boys. So Las Vegas and Spanish Open action next week. I hope the listeners' bets go well. As ever, five-star reviews. Please get some done for us. I'll read them out next week. Enjoy the golf. See you soon. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf 